Matthew chapter 3, we're going to be in a few verses of scripture. You know, Father's Day always gets me to remember um, that I wouldn't be the man I am today if it wasn't for a father. Can you say amen in this place then? Uh, there, there is a huge impact to a father. Uh, you know, I'm blessed to have or come from a, a family that has a, a, a wonderful man of God and a wonderful woman of God who decided uh, to have a family and raise them up right. Uh, there's many things I remember back then I used to go through that I wasn't very happy about. But I look back now and say, thank you, Jesus. There's some pain I had to go through sometimes <laughs> that didn't feel too good back then. But now it's kind of just uh, uh, molded me in a certain way uh, uh, that I stand before you today. I stand in a pulpit before you. I could be standing in a prison right now. But amen, uh, because of uh, the love of a father, I'm right here today. So that's what I want to preach about today, uh, a father's love out of Matthew chapter 3. We're going to read from verse number 13 um, as we go through our scripture. Verse number 30 says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. Verse number 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I want to look firstly with you this morning and this Father's Day about the revelation of God you see, because some people have their own revelation of what God is like or who God is. I remember thinking about a particular game. It's called the association game. In other words, you would say a word and then you say the first word that comes into your mind. Um, like I, you say car, someone might say steering wheel. Or you say house and somebody might say fridge. If, you know, if they think about it, that's all they think about, the food, right? So it's association. And, and for different people, uh, association can be different things. Uh, the American pastor and renowned Christian author, A.W. Tozer, said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So what he's saying is how we think about God determines how we approach him. What we think, um, what comes to mind when we say God uh, uh, will determine how we uh, set about approaching him. And this is big because it is a supernatural thing. You know, how we approach natural things, they can determine some things like how we approach our career or where we would live and so on like that. But how we relate to God will determine our eternity. What we think about God will determine where we end up and where we spend eternity. And some people have different views about God. Some people say that I believe there's a force out there in the universe. Some people say there's, a, there's something out there that's larger than I am. You know, many times I speak to people on outreach when I'm witnessing to people, they would confess to say, yes, there's something out there. There's got to be something out there that's greater than me. And listen, how many know that's true? Because God is high and lifted up. Can you say amen in this place? Sir? But the problem with that view is that there's no relationship. 
It's just a force out there, just out there, just large, large out there. There's no relationship. Some people see God as some grumpy old man in heaven looking down to strike people down as soon as they step out of line. Now listen, we know that God has wrath and there's going to come a time where his wrath will pour out on the earth. But how many know we need to have hope? It isn't just some grumpy old man sitting up in heaven just waiting to strike somebody down. Some people use God as a member of the emergency services. Come on now, something has gone wrong. I've got a court case. God, I need your help. Come on now. Something just happened. I've just lost my job. God, I need you to sort something out. He's part of the emergency services. We ring up 999. We dial up God. Some people have that type of revelation. And see, when you have a revelation like that, it determines how you treat God. And it's important to gain a proper revelation of God to get the response. Because if you have a proper revelation of God, then the proper response you give him. I want to look at the biblical revelation of God. In verse number 17 of our text, the Bible says, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he brought with him a revelation of God so that through his earthly ministry, we can get to understand that God isn't just this massive force that's out there. God isn't just a a member of the emergency services. God, the creator of the universe, identifies himself as a father. When the disciples asked Jesus Christ how to pray, he began by saying, listen, you need to address who you're speaking to correctly. Because how many know you can't just throw it out there? You must address correctly. And we understand, listen, that, that Jesus started off saying, what well, our father. He's saying you need to address him as a father. And listen, just praying enough is, is, is profound enough because the, the psalmist wrote, listen, what is man that you are mindful of him? The creative universe cares to us. So just being able to pray is profound enough. But Jesus goes one step further and say, when you pray, say, our Father. In other words, you need to relate to him as you would relate to a father. Jesus taught us to pray. He could have said many things in that title. He could have said, when you pray, say, our governor. Come on out. When you pray, say, our general, our, our commander. Or our judge. And rightly so because many of those titles actually do fit God. Because he is the judge. He is the commander. He is the command in chief. He is the creator. But he wanted to identify himself as the father. And we know we see this many times in the New Testament through Jesus' ministry. But it wasn't just in the New Testament. We can see this vividly in the New Testament. However, it is not a new thing. We know that God is unchanging. So even in the Old Testament, God wanted to identify himself as a father. We look back at Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 21. This is when Moses was talking or Moses was going to go on this mission to deliver the children of Israel. Verse number 21 of Exodus. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand, but I'll harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. 
So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, he will kill your firstborn. So here we see early on, God is identifying, saying, the people you're messing with, that's my child. That's my firstborn. And we can see this imagery again as Moses is, is reminding the children of Israel when they go through the, uh, the, the wilderness in Deuteronomy 1 and verse number 31. And it says, In the wilderness when you saw how God, the Lord your God, carried you as a man carries his son. So you see the imagery that God wants to be known as the father. God wants to be uh, relating to us as a father. And the prophet Hosea said, listen, when Israel uh, was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. So the revelation we should have of God is that he is our father. And the text shows that he wanted everybody to know uh, when he said, this is my son. He says, this is my son and I'm his father. But why did he do that? Simple, because he understands the impact of a father's love. He understands that the impact of a father's love can literally change people's lives. I will look secondly with you at a father's love. God identifies himself as the father because you have to understand when you know that you have a father who loves you, a father who cares for you, a father who is there for you, it makes all the difference in your life. And I say that because we're in a generation where the enemy knows that too. And because the enemy knows that too, he wants to try and diminish the father. He wants to try and take the power away from fathers. To the point now, we don't have men walking around uh, leading their family. Now we just have boys who are going around uh, just having children. Sometimes you look at society saying, where are all the men? Where are all the fathers in the place? Because the biology, that stuff is easy. Animals can do that. Come on now, can you say amen in this place? We don't have to teach you how to do those. That's, that stuff is easy. But to father, that's a different ball game. And that's why the enemy will come to seek to steal, kill, and destroy the power or the impact of a father's love. But when you have a father who is there, who loves you, listen, you can do many things. In the presence of a loving father, you can do more. You know, I read about a story. The Olympics in 1992. Uh, this was Barcelona. A man named Derek Redmond. He's running the 400 meters. He was in the prime of his life. He had been suffering some injuries, but right at this point of his life, uh, he was fit, he was ready, uh, he was there in lane five. Uh, when the gun went off for uh, 400 meters, uh, he shut out the blocks, had the best start of everybody. He started to run um, about 15 seconds into the race, about 150 miles, he'd, sorry, 150 meters he'd covered already. Uh, he said he heard a pop sound um, and he just burst his hamstring. His hamstring just tore and he just couldn't, he almost he collapsed to the ground, couldn't do it no more. And he's in the race, and he's saying, I've got to finish the race, but I'm in so much pain, I can't do this. And he started to get up, and he started to hobble across the, 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 the track, and he's hobbling, trying to finish the race, but the pain was excruciating him. He couldn't do it. People wanted to help him, stretch his cane. He says, no, I want to try and finish the race on my own, but he couldn't do it. The pain was too much, until there was somebody who came through the crowd, had to push past all the officials, and he got 
onto the crowd, uh, onto the, the track, sorry, and he heard somebody running behind him and he says, he can hear a voice, a familiar voice, he said, he says, leave me alone, I'm his father. And he carries on and he goes and picks up his son and with his help or with the help of his father, he was able to finish the race. And as I saw that, I'm thinking, man, when you have a loving father who's in your corner, someone who backs you up, someone who cares for you, you can do more, you can go further, you are encouraged, you are empowered, it can impact your entire life in the presence of a loving father, you can do more. In the presence of a loving father, there is affirmation. Our text says that God said, this is my beloved son. And it goes on to say, in whom I am well pleased. Now, one thing I find interesting about having children, right? My kids, it could be, I could be doing anything. And they call me, daddy, watch this. Daddy, and they'd be like jumping off the set or something like that, or jumping off something, or trying to break something. But daddy, watch this. Or they're doing a cartwheel. Daddy, what? Why? Because they want that affirmation. They want to know that their dad cares and their dad has an interest in what they're doing. And, I, and it'll be a, a shame if I look and say, oh, what's going on? I have to make sure, even if it's silly what they're doing, I say, listen, God bless you. That's amazing, good, and try and uh, compete with them. But also, I want them to know that I am pleased with them. In the presence of a loving father, there is affirmation. In the presence of a father, there's security, there's stability, there is boundaries. Can you say amen in this place? You know, it's a loving father that would put boundaries in place of their children. Because we live in a day and age where parents are trying to become friends with their children. Uh, who's, who's seeing that? You see people having kids. Oh, I'm their best friend. Uh, we, just, we do everything together. We don't, I don't put restrictions on my children. <laughs> It's a father that loves you that will put restrictions on you. Come on, it's a father who will love you that will put restrictions. You know, I thank God that there were certain things I was not allowed to do growing up in my house. There were certain places I was not allowed to go. I may not have seen all of that while I was growing up in there. I was like, Dad, Mom, what's going on, man? You guys are like, there's a bit too much restriction up in here. But now I see, even as I have children of my own, I see those restrictions were good for me. Because like I said, I could have been anywhere right now. So it's a loving father that puts boundaries on. Look at Hebrews 12, verse number 7. The Bible says, what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, or, or, of which have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. You know, growing up, I couldn't just do anything I wanted. <laughs> I couldn't just go anywhere I wanted and praise God for that because I understood that in those boundaries is security. In those boundaries is love. In those boundaries is the best possible future for me. And it is in the presence of a loving father that you have boundaries. Now, we don't have to look far, like I said, to see an attack on this relationship. The enemy is trying to pull down or assault what God intended to do with a loving father. I want to read some statistics to you. Bible says, or sorry, not the Bible, so an account says that studies show that the absence of fathers expresses itself in male children in one of two ways. Either they become increasingly aggressive or they, on the other hand, they become increasingly effeminate in order to kind of deal with the absence of the father. You know the prisons are filled with aggressive young men. They did a study in prisons. They say over 75% of inmates come from a broken home. 
That's not a coincidence. That is a direct correlation. That's a direct link of the breakdown of the family. This is a Michigan State University study of adolescents who committed violent crimes found that 75% of them were broken homes. Check this out. Girls without fathers became sexually active sooner and more likely to have children out of wedlock. Now, we know there's anomalies there and so on and so on. You can come from a fantastic family, fantastic mom, fantastic father. They're there, they do everything, they pray, and their children can still go way well. But listen, I'm talking about having a firm foundation. You want to give your children the best possible start there is. Well, that is in the presence of a loving father. Can you say amen in this place? And the reason I say that is because God identifies himself as that father. Because dare I say, there may be some people under the sound of my voice who can't say, listen, I have a loving father in my house. I grew up with a father in my house. There may be people under the sound of my voice who, don't, who can't relate to having a man who is there, present, and not just there to pay the bills and go out, but present, invested in children. Well, to you, I say, there is a God in heaven who wants to identify himself with you. And he says in Proverbs, he says that he is a father of the fatherless. He is a defender of the widows. It is God who wants to be your father. So even in this place where you have the enemy will destroy and pull away from what God intended, we have the creator, the almighty, who wants to shower his love on you in this place. Jesus made a statement in the future. In John 14, he says, In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not not so, I'd have not told you. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He said, listen, this is my father's house, but I'm I'm preparing a place for you also. Because you can be adopted in to the sheepfold. You can be adopted in. Now the father who is my father can be your father also. Because through Jesus Christ, we can be adopted in. We can have the birthright that God intended us to have. We can have that right to be called sons and daughters of God if we come through Jesus Christ. Look at John 1 and verse number 12. It says, and as many as received him, to them he gave him the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name in the name of Jesus Christ there is identity there is inheritance we can be called sons and daughters of Jesus Christ look at this in 1 John verse 3 and verse number 1 it says behold what manner of love the father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God Like a reckless love, the the, the song goes, reckless love, that he's able to love somebody like me, somebody like you, that you can have the title of child. And I love this in Romans 8, verse number 12. The Bible says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. 
You know, a father's love here on earth is a powerful thing. But the love of the father is a supernatural thing. That even while we didn't deserve the love, even while we were still, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ came and died so that we can be adopted in. We can be called children of God. We can have that title of son or daughter and we can experience a father's love and that father's love can have the impact in our entire life. You know, it's the father's love that can give you identity. So you don't have to go and find identity out there in the world. You don't have to go and look like other people or dress a certain way to have identity because you know the father loves you can you say amen in this place it is a father's love that gives you inheritance you don't have to go and find worth in something else the thing if, if I can only just have this then I'll be successful listen my father is the king of kings I'm already successful can you say amen in this place listen it's the father's love that will impact you to say listen I've got a future and a destiny because my father loves me he has a place for me he is the creator of the universe and he wants to show his love just like he said to Jesus this is my son I am well pleased he's saying that to you this morning as well this is my son this is my daughter I am well pleased you don't have to do anything to receive that or to try and gain that love he is giving that to you as a free gift it is the father's love that can impact your life And as we just read in Romans 8, we need to be led by the Spirit in order to come into that adoption, to be called the sons of God. Just like the enemy would try and separate the natural fathers, the enemy will also try and separate our heavenly father as well. And we've got to be wise to understand the wiles or the strategies of hell seeking to separate us from our heavenly father. He's also, he's doing that, unfortunately, quite successful in the natural, trying to separate people from their natural fathers. But we can't let him separate us from our heavenly father. Can you say amen in this place? That is the hope of our future. And as we understand that our lives will be impacted. Oh, I thank God. It doesn't matter where you come from, the background that you have, that you have a place in God's kingdom. It doesn't matter if you come from a broken home or you've come from a stable home like I have. It doesn't matter where you've come from. You can have the title of son and daughter if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. If we say, I believe in him, we can have and we can be joint heirs with Christ. That is so profound that we can come in and be a a child of God you know I heard about a a family that um, adopted a child uh, and uh, the child came and gave a testimony that said uh, if it wasn't for that adoption uh, I don't know if I'll be alive today and that struck me because that's literally what God is doing with us We're out here just living our life, just wandering around. And he came to us and said, I want that one. I want that one. And he purchased us with his blood. 
purchased us with his blood and now he calls and he puts our he puts his seal he puts his mark on us we have or we go by his name and we can say I'm part of that not because of anything we have done but because he loved us so much and said I want to have you as my child I want to have you as my son and my daughter I want to have that relationship this is the God of the universe who by rightly can have nothing to do with us because we've rejected him with our sinner but yet he still says I want to come I want to be your father church as we celebrate father's day we're going to go hopefully going to go have some dinner you, know, you treat your father or if you know or a father figure or something we're going to go and do that just remember the father's love yes naturally but also supernaturally remember the impact that it can have on your life when you have a father who loves you you can do more when you have a father who loves you, you get affirmation. When you have a father who loves you, you have a, a destiny and an eternity. The father's love has impact in our lives. I don't want us to ever forget. You know, one thing I remember and I find quite funny is that growing up um, as a child, um, you know, I saw the way my dad was and how he, how he functioned, how he lived and so on. But now as I'm older and as I'm, and I have my own children, I look at the things I do and say, and I'm like, dear Lord, I'm just like my dad. And it's almost, it's by osmosis, there's things that just happen. I just do things, you know, I'm good with my hand, DIYs and stuff. Why? Because he is. Uh, you know, some of the things I say uh, uh, to my children, I, I realize, well, my dad used to say that to me. And I, when, I, when I was young, I didn't really understand it. But now I'm just saying the same thing to my children. And, and I realize that I'm starting to emulate my dad. Well, that's exactly why God wants to be a father to us, because we can start to emulate him. Come on now. We can start to emulate him. Come on now. And as we go through our life, as we go through our daily work, people can look at us and say, you're different. You look different. As you go and you react to the things of life, and you, you, you remind me of somebody. Listen, what you've got is different. And people begin to look at you and begin to glorify God in heaven. Because now, you're, as you, the longer you spend with him, the longer you're close, the more intimate you are, you begin to emulate him. And people can look at your life and, and begin to glorify God because they what they've seen for the intimacy that you have with your love, with your father. And the father's love has an impact on our life. God identifies himself as the father. Let's live as sons and daughter of the king. Can you say amen in this place? Let's give him a shout of praise in this place right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father in heaven. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. Father's love.